listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. We exist to inspire people to live and love like Jesus. For more information, please visit our website at vintagechurch.net. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching. I like it when church is fun, right? Come on, give him some praise one more time. Just celebrate his goodness. It's been a fun morning, and it's just going to continue to be that way we know. Welcome to Christmas at Vintage. Uh, Hopefully this morning you came in, you stopped by our fun little photo booth and got a picture with your family. If you didn't, you can do that on your way out. There's even some little cool props, and it's just going to be fun. Uh, We're, I'm just, I'm glad to be back. I missed y'all last week, man. It's it's good to be home. I can't stand when I'm away from y'all, but um, show some love to Pastor Scott. I know he did a great job last Sunday. Um... I listened to the podcast this week and was blessed by his message, and I hope you were as well. Um, but I'm going to be up here for a little while because I missed y'all, and I'm excited to dive into this season. Um, and just kind of, you heard about this last week, but um, Christmas weekend for our church is going to be a little bit different this year. Um, we won't have services in this room on Sunday the 25th. Uh, we understand people are traveling and gone and family stuff, and we get all that. But just because we're not going to be meeting here doesn't mean we're not having church. Uh, as you get up that, that morning, if you'll go to to vintagechurch.net. There will be a video teaching and some, for the first time ever, some worship from our own worship team on that video. Um, So you can get up that morning and maybe before you dive into your Christmas presents or making pancakes in the shape of Rudolph or whatever it is you do on Christmas morning, uh, dive into that video teaching and worship along with your family or maybe you want to have lunch with your life group or just something. Just There will be a video teaching on our website, vintagechurch.net. But that Friday, we're going to have a very special service, a Christmas Eve Eve service. That's Friday, December the 23rd at 7 p.m. in this room. We're going to be doing a communion and candlelight service. We've never done one before. It's going to be the most unique service we've ever done at Christmas. We're going to have our kids in here with us helping us lead worship. So that ought to be an adventure, but it's going to be fun. Uh, we will have child care for like smaller children, but for like, especially like elementary and up, they'll be in here worshiping with us, a family communion and candlelight service. So make sure you plan to be that. We understand that probably some of you will already be out of town by that Friday, but as many as you can be here, we would love to just celebrate Christmas and that night. Again, it's Friday, December the 23rd at 7 p.m. But Christmas is in full swing. Um, and I know like there's, I find that you're, there's nobody kind of in the middle about Christmas. Like, you're kind of in one camp or the other. Like, like and to me, there's, there's two different songs that kind of, well, everybody in the room are going to kind of fall in. The first one is this one right here. It's the most there you go. Wonderful time That's some of y'all. I'm just looking to see who's kind of already identifying with that. All right, who's, who's in that camp? Like, you love it. You love Christmas. Like at Thanksgiving, you went straight from pumpkin spice latte to peppermint mocha. I mean, the Hallmark Channel is on 24-7, and you're watching them silly old romantic Christmas movies. Like you love it. Come on. Yeah, there you go. Like, I mean, and you got the, the Rudolph nose on your car with the rain. You're a dork. That's stupid. I mean, I'm sorry. You just look goofy. I'm judging you. When you drive by, that's a dork driving that car. I'm sorry. But then there, there's, there's another group of people that maybe this is your song. You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. Okay, be honest. Who's that? Who, in there? Yep. Your Facebook profile picture says, Bah Humbug. Like you're done. You're over it. Like, and then what I found is like very, very rarely is there people like in the middle ground when it comes to Christmas. Like you either, 
you either love it or, or, or you hate it. And like there's kind of no in between and you're either consumed by it and you're all about it or you're in that person like it can't be December 26th fast enough. But this is kind of what I've learned about Christmas. Like Christmas is kind of like an emotional steroid. Like, like if your life is good, then Christmas just makes it better. Because now it's good with candy canes and rainbows and everything. It's just awesome. Like, if you're, if, you're like, if you're in a good place, if you're in a good season, if things around your life are just kind of in, in a really good spot and emotionally in your marriage and career, if things are good, then Christmas almost kind of seems, it just, it's like it makes it better and it's even, it's even more enjoyable. But if things in your life are bad, like, Christmas just makes it feel worse. Because it's just a reminder. Like, I mean, you get in somebody's car and their, their station is already preset to that one that's been playing Christmas music since, like, September 2nd, and you just want to kick them in the throat. I mean, you're just like... You know, because things in your, and this is kind of what I found is our perspective on Christmas is often rooted in what's happening. Like, like whether you're excited about Christmas or whether you're ready for it to be over, it, it's connected to kind of what's happening to you, what's happening around your life. And if what's happening around you is good and you're in a good place and things are going smooth and, and you're feeling good about life, then, then this Christmas seems to just kind of make it feel even better and you're even more excited and feeling all warm and fuzzy and you got the feels all over all the time. But if not, it just seems like it exaggerates all those feelings of frustration and depression and, and all the things that, that you're feeling in your life. And Christmas just kind of does that to people. And there's a lot of people like, this is, this is baby's first Christmas and you're going to spend hundreds of dollars so they can play with the box. Or some of you, it's, it's first Christmas, but it's not baby's first Christmas. It's the first Christmas without somebody that you love dearly. And like you're having to process all those emotions, and it's the first Christmas. Then maybe for the first time in your life, that person is no longer around because they were your mom or your grandparent or somebody that has been at the Christmas table every year for decade after decade. And now, here in just a couple weeks, you've got to figure out how do we do Christmas without them? And so it's just a really, really difficult time. And you know, it's funny, like some of us, we, you know, very few of us are going to wake up on Christmas morning and go out in the driveway and that Lexus with the big red bow is going to be sitting there. Who has ever had that? That's the dumbest commercial ever. Like nobody, have anybody ever had that Christmas? Like no, like I have never walked out in my driveway and there's been a Lexus with a big red, ro- red bow on it. If we did, like we in debt because that payment we can't afford. <laughs> right? Come on. And so a lot of the times, like, what, I, what we're focusing on is, is kind of what's happening. And Christmas is just a reminder of what's happening around us. And we have all these different things that we have to do. And it's like, if, if our lives weren't busy enough, it's like somebody just kind of made it go even faster because we've got all these obligations and, and we've got to buy presents for people. Like, we ain't seen them since last Christmas. But I've got to buy them something. I don't even know who they are. I don't even like them. But I've got to buy them a present. And Christmas is kind of, you know, this is kind of what I figured is Christmas, when it, we f- focus on what's happening, we're reminded that there's problems we can't solve, people we can't control, and expectations we can't meet. In other words, when Christmas comes around, them problems that I've been having, now I'm still having them. Like Santa Claus ain't taking my problems away. I'm still struggling. I'm still financially strapped. I'm still dealing with loss. I'm still trying to adjust to some changes in my life. Like Christmas is just kind of puts that on steroids and it's like there's still those problems and then there's, there's people we can't control and we're reminded that, you know, not, not everybody, some people's families are complicated, come on. And like you spend all year trying not to see them and now you're put in the same room to them, with them 
And you've got to figure out how to manage that tension because it's just complicated. And there's family situations and dynamics that get more complicated around Christmas. And then there's all these expectations that, that we have to spend this amount of money and go to this party and meet these expectations. And it just begins to overwhelm us. And in a time that seeing that's supposed to be merry and bright is best described as messy and dark. And so it's hard for us to feel like it's the most wonderful time of the year. And I'm hoping over the next several weeks that this room may be an escape for you. That, that there, if we will focus on not what's happening around us, but what happened at Christmas and really dive into not what's happening, but what happened. What happened on that first Christmas morning when, when God broke through heaven and came into earth and Jesus was born and all that that means for those of us who make the decision to believe in that, that if maybe we could focus really for the first time in years about what happened at Christmas instead of letting what's happening swallow up that truth and rob us of it, then maybe we could awaken the wonder. Because what happened at Christmas truly is wonderful. And I know that we live in a culture that has kind of hijacked this holiday. And what's happening at Christmas, not even if it's the problems, just what's happening with all the commercial and consumerism and all those things. And that may be the root of why some of us are not excited about Christmas. That, that what's happening has began to just swallow up what happened. And over the next few weeks, if we come in this place and maybe let's put our attention, not on what's happening, but on what happened and what that really means for me and you and how it changes things then perhaps we can awaken the wonder and this season could be wonderful again so that's my goal of the next few weeks is to kind of get you to turn your attention off what's happening and be reminded of what happened and and to do that we have to start at the beginning Luke chapter 2 pick up with verse 1 I know this is a story that's very familiar to you, and it's funny. Familiarity kind of breeds contempt. It's kind of like the first 800 times you heard that song, it was pretty good, but 801, you were over it. And that's kind of the way it is with the Christmas story. Like, we, we've heard it, and we've read it, and you know, you know, of all the passages of Scripture that, that don't elicit response and emotion and amens, it may be the one I'm about to read, but can I, can I ask you to do childlike faith for a moment? To hear these words, maybe like you're hearing them for the very first time. And maybe that's what it's going to take to awaken the wonder in your life. Luke chapter 2, pick up verse 1. It says, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house in the line of David. When he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths, placed him in the manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in their fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. 
Amen. And now see, we've heard those words. Maybe you read them every Christmas and only at Christmas. But what I want to do today is just remind you what has happened because of what we just read. And that maybe if you can be reminded of what's happened, and maybe for the first time ever, truly understand the ramifications of what just happened, then you'll buy into this being the most wonderful time of the year. So I just want to walk through several, th- several things that, that the Christmas story means, that, that what happened at Christmas and, and why it's wonderful. And the first thing is this. At Christmas, what happened is a holy God entered a messy world. A holy God entered a messy world. See, there's a lot of people that you're having a hard time this Christmas because your life may be as messy as it's ever been. First of all, I'll say it again. Welcome to Venice Church where everybody is as messed up as you are. Look around you, everybody. They are jacked up people, everybody around you. They are messed up, broken, baggage. I mean, they are messed up people. But some of us, we're having a hard time enjoying the season because, and you're saying, Matt, there's no way I can feel warm and fuzzy and, and feel like this is a wonderful time of the year because my life is such a mess right now. The good news is, like, God specializes in entering and engaging the messy. He's not afraid of the mess. God's not afraid of your mess. If you're here today and you say, Matt, my life is a mess, that is the perfect place for God to work. He loves engaging a mess. Now, we don't. Like me, I don't do messes. I don't do them. Like you come in my house, you make a mess, I'm kicking you out. We don't do messes in my house. And I never, like one of the, I, I have, y'all know I have twins, eight years old. Uh, but when they were first born, we actually, uh, couldn't come home with my son. He was in the NICU for a few days, so we were just home with one kid. Let me just tell you, those of y'all that have one kid at a time, quit complaining. That is nothing. You have two kids at a time, then, then come talk to me, or three maybe. No, I would never do that, but <laughs> the first night Aiden was home, it's the middle of the night. You know, you're just kind of adjusting. You know, kids are waking in the middle of the night, and I hear Aiden stirring or whatever, so I go into his room, and I can tell, like, this is going to get graphic, so just be warned. So I get him out of his crib and everything, and, I, and I'm getting to his diaper. I can tell like he, like he has a dirty diaper. And so I go to take the diaper off, and, and he ain't done. <laughs> so I'm just kind of standing there and just letting him do his business. When all of a sudden he becomes a human fountain. <laughs> right in the eye. No joke. So like I turn him away, and so like he just peed on the wall. And I'm just standing there, and I'm like, why do, we, why do people have kids? This is ridiculous. Why do you do this? And then he projectile vomited (laughs) onto the wall. I always said, Ashley, your son needs you. I don't do a mess. And there's some of us like, right now, your life is that messy. I guess a mess. Maybe because decisions that you made and things that you've done and you've made that mess. And I understand like Christmas, I mean, it ain't gonna cover up the mess. And it's really easy to feel like, you know what, this can't be a wonderful time because my life is such a wreck, it's such a mess. But I want to remind you that Christmas is a reminder that a holy God entered a messy world. And if your life is a mess, God specializes in entering your mess. He's not afraid of your mess. He wants to engage your mess. You know, it's interesting that God chose this time in history to come, come into the world. You know, God could have came into the world anytime, any place, anywhere he wanted to, right? But Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, the, his, his entry, Jesus' birth, is time-stamped with this verse. It says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod. 
This was a time when the world was as messy as it's ever been. I know you think it's messy now, but this, this is a time when King Herod, Rome had kind of taken over the world and the nation of Israel and the people that, that, that were chosen by God to bring Jesus into the world. It was as desperate a time as they had ever experienced. King Herod was crazy. He was maybe the worst king that this nation had ever experienced. He was so paranoid, he killed every one of his sons because he was afraid they would take his throne. One of them, actually, he was a few days on his deathbed, and it got rumored around that he had taken his own life, but news, they didn't have Twitter back then, believe it or not. So news kind of got kind of confusing, so his son tried to rise to power, and, he wasn't de- and Herod wasn't dead, so he had him killed. He died five days later. He was so hated that he had already strategically planned on the day of his death to have prominent people around Israel killed so at least when he died, they would be mourning over something. Crazy. Homelessness and poverty was as rampant in that culture and in that community as it ever been. The world was a mess. And an angel appeared. And Jesus came into this time, and this planet, into this world, at the height of the mess. So if you're here today and you're a mess, it's a great time for God to engage your life. It's a wonderful time for you to understand the true meaning of Christmas. So what happened at Christmas is a holy God entered a messy world. And because he did that, you know what that means? Everything changed for everyone. See, in that moment when Jesus came, everything changed for everyone. Remember what it said in Luke chapter 2, verse 10, but an angel of the Lord said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. See, just in in the birth announcement of Jesus, the fact that Jesus came and his birth was announced by God, not to kings in a castle, but to shepherds in a field. It's God's reminder that this salvation that's coming in the form of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice, it's not going to be limited to a certain group of people. See, they were in this place where class and race and all these things were, all these tensions were high, but Jesus came into this world and God was announcing that birth in a way so do you would understand that no matter your skin color, no matter the size of your bank account, no matter how much your education, no matter what your career, no matter where you grew up, no matter whatever kind of stipulation and prejudice you want to put on it, that God was going to change everything for everyone. That's got to be a better amen than that right there. Come on, church. Everything for everyone. That no matter who you are, what you've done, what your experience, where you grew up, how broke you are this Christmas, there's potential for change. See, when Jesus came and when God decided to announce it to shepherds, he was trying to send us a message. Because the shepherds were the most boring, mundane, ordinary group of people on the planet. And I think the words of that angel to them were very intentional. Great news for everyone, for all. It's a reminder that you are loved by God. No matter where you think you belong in this whole thing, circle of life, planet issues all these no matter where you think you fall and God's hierarchy of love can I just remind you that you're at the top everything changed for everyone because what happened at Christmas was forgiveness became greater than our failure 
seeing Christmas and what, and what God was doing and what God was setting in motion, God was continuing the story and the method of redemption for his people. And at Christmas, we're reminded what happened was forgiveness became greater than our failure, which means if you're sitting here, you don't have to keep carrying that baggage. All the mistakes, all the bad decisions, all the things that you think you've done wrong that have disqualified you from God's love, no longer do. And you know, here's the thing. Christmas is a time when we get to be around people that know every dumb thing we've ever done. You get to look across the table at somebody that knew how stupid you was at 12 and 24 and 48. And it's so easy in this time when you're around those people, they don't have to bring it up, do they? But they know, like, he, he, he knows what I did. Like, they were there. And this is a season when you're around all those family and all those reminders begin to stir up for the enemy to leverage that time, to remind you of all those things that you've done and for guilt and shame to begin to flood you like never before and allow that just to consume you. But if you look at what happened at Christmas, it's a reminder that forgiveness became greater than your failure. And no matter how many bad decisions that you've made, no matter how far gone you felt, that God's forgiveness is greater than all of it. Isn't that cool? Because what John said, the, the Apostle John, I love it, in 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 and 10, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. See, what happened at Christmas is forgiveness became greater than your failure. And so if you want this time to be wonderful, will you allow God through the power of his love and through the sacrifice of his son Jesus to cut the cord of your past and release it from you? To set you free from those things that you've done. And it doesn't matter if, if you messed up yesterday, if today you seek his forgiveness, repent of that sin, put your eyes on Christ and allow his blood to cover it, guess what? The Bible tells us it's gone. And then if God's not remembering it, don't let crazy Uncle Larry throw it back in your face. Come on and move forward. See, and because of all that, what happened at Christmas is the broken were given the opportunity to be made beautiful. See, you were created by God. The Bible says even before you were born, even before you took a breath in this planet, while you were in your mom's womb, God was designing you. That you were, you were a thought in God's mind before you were a physical being. But because you made bad decisions, because you sinned, because you did things, because we all do, you were separated from God. And that separation rendered you incomplete because you were created by God. You were created in His image. And to be complete, you have to be connected to Him. You have to be in relationship with Him. But that sin separates you from God. But you have that desire. You know you're incomplete. So you spend a lot of your life trying to make yourself whole. It's kind of like, you know, you're, you're, there's kids at Christmas. Have your kids probably said, Daddy, if I just get this one thing at Christmas, my Christmas will be great. Like, there's that one present. Like, if I, got, if I could just get it, and then, like, that one thing changes. Like, every, I'm like, dude, what do you want? That one thing changes every day. And so we laugh at that, and we think that's immature, but we do it as adults. If I could just get this one thing, if I could just, if I could just be married, if I could just have a baby, if I could just get that job, if I could just make that amount of money, if I could just, if, if I could just, then, then, like we know that we're incomplete. We know that we're broken. 
And so we keep going from one thing to the other to try to make ourselves whole. But the reality is the only way you are made whole is through faith and the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross to deal with your sins so that you can be made right with God. Then and only then are you whole. Christmas made that possible. God coming to earth in the form of Jesus Christ, going to the cross, taking the punishment that you deserved in himself, so that the penalty could be paid for those mistakes and that you could be made right with God, that's the only way to find that wholeness. Colossians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10 says, For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ you have been brought to fullness. See, because of Christmas, what happened at Christmas is the broken were given the opportunity to be made beautiful because Christ did everything necessary to fix what was broken in you and me. And then that ushers in the final thing. What happened at Christmas is rules and rituals were exchanged for relationship. See, up until this point, until Jesus came into earth and changed all this, like their, their interaction with God, their perspective on God was driven by a bunch of rules, by a bunch of do's and don'ts and, and, and all this list of boxes that we must check in order to feel holy and righteous and these kinds of things. And the sacrifices were these different rituals where you would take animals and you would do all this kind of thing. But the moment Jesus entered this world, things began to change because he was born to die. Because God wanted a relationship with you. And I know, like, this is a season that's just like swimming in obligation, right? Like, we feel all kinds of, some of y'all, like, you're just, you're just already stressed out by the obligation to buy that gift and to go to that party and do all this kind of stuff. But Christmas and obligation just don't go together. Because God didn't send Jesus because he was obligated to. He sent Jesus out of love for you and me. That was the whole point. And the fact that now we've turned this into a season that's so full of complicated obligation, it breaks the heart of God because he's thinking, I didn't, send, I didn't send Jesus out of any kind of obligation. I didn't send Jesus because I had to. I sent Jesus because I wanted to, because I created you, and I wanted a relationship with you. And to have a relationship with you, I had to deal with that stuff that separated us. And the only way to do that, so you could never do that. There was no way you were ever going to be good enough to deal with the bad things you've done. There's not enough boxes that you were ever going to be able to check. Not enough rituals that you were going to ever be able to walk through. Not enough traditions that you were going to ever be able to experience. Death was the only way to deal with it. And what happened at Christmas was Jesus came and God sent the last and only sacrifice needed so that we could be in relationship with him. That's not about rules and rituals. And can I say, God doesn't want to turn you into his puppet. He wants a relationship with you. He wants to be intimately connected and involved in every moment of your life. He wants to go to work with you. He wants to help you walk through life. He wants to whisper into your ear every day his will and his way for your life. It's personal and it's powerful. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 says, But when this set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. 
Do you see the relation? And see, some of you guys have missed it along the way. Now, you thought going to church and being a part of this Christianity thing and following Jesus was just about adding more rules and rituals to your life. And then at Christmas, we go through all these rituals, once again, that we traditions that just kind of begin to consume us. And again, what's happening around us causes us to lose sight of what happened for us. And if you want to awaken the wonder during this season, you have to take your eyes and your attention and your energy off what's happening to you and focus on what happened for you. And what happened for you was God became a man so that he could die in your place so that you could live in a relationship with him. And I know it's busy, and I know you're full, and I know there's all kinds of things happening around you, but can I just challenge you to do something Turn your attention to what happened. Not what's happening. That a holy God entered a messy world and he's not afraid to enter your mess. That forgiveness has become greater than your failure. That everything has changed for everyone. That you, broken though you are, have the opportunity to be made beautiful. And it's simply done by accepting and believing in what happened at Christmas and the life that Jesus led and the death he died for you. And so if you're here today and you're getting consumed by all that's happening, we just shift your perspective. Turn your attention not to what's happening but what happened. And acknowledge who he is. You know, the greatest way to acknowledge what happened for you. The greatest way to acknowledge what he did is through giving your life to him and then going public with that decision through baptism. And we want to give you the opportunity to do that today. Just down here we have a baptism pool put out. It's a symbolic gesture. It's that old person before you go into that water standing there remembering who you were before Christ came into your life and saved you. Taking that old self and burying it just like Christ was buried. Killing that old self, destroying that old self because of the power and blood of Jesus Christ and coming up out of those waters as the new person that you now are in Christ. Baptism doesn't mean you're perfect. It means you're saved. And if you want to do that today, if you want to go public with your faith in baptism, I'm going to invite you to do something. Stand up, head out those rows, go through those back doors. A couple of our pastors will be there to meet you and give you further instructions. Maybe you came prepared to do that today. If you didn't, we're ready for you. We have towels, we have shirts, we have shorts. If you want to go public with your faith in Jesus Christ through baptism, if you want to use that gesture to acknowledge what happened for you, go ahead and rise to your feet, head out those back doors. A couple of our pastors will be there to meet you. The rest of you, if you would bow your heads, close your eyes with me. I want to address a couple of groups of people. Number one, if you're here today and you just say, Matt, man, I've been consumed by what's been happening around me, what's been happening to me, and I've just been kind of trying to rush through this season, and I just want my attention to be not on all that, but what happened for me. Would you just throw up your hand and just leave it up? I just want to catch them all and pray over them. I want to focus on what happened for me the reality of what Christmas really, really means, what the life of Jesus really, really means to me and my life. Keep them up, because I want to get them all. Amen, 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 amen. You can put them down. Or maybe you're here today, and you know what? You've never made that decision. You've never allowed the true meaning of Christmas and Jesus come to this planet really to sink in your heart. You've never decided to follow him. The Bible says, if you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, then you're saved. If you're ready to make that decision, I'm going to ask you to do something really, really bold. 
Would you just stand to your feet? Just stand right where you are. I'm going to ask you, those of you who are seated to join those who are standing right now. And I'm going to pray for us and we're going to enter into a time of worship together. Would you bow? Father, thank you that we don't have to be consumed with what's happening around us or what's happening to us, but we can be reminded of what happened for us. And that's the true meaning of Christmas, that, that you broke through the, the heavens and you became a human being so that you could be that sacrifice necessary in order for us to have life and live in relationship with our creator. And God, I pray that you would help us to be reminded today, Lord, that we don't, because of that sacrifice, because of Christmas, we don't have to live bound by our mistakes. We are not enslaved to our past, but we have been set free through the blood and the body of Jesus Christ, and that we can live in freedom. And that in a time and in a season that seems to be so full of busyness and obligation, may we be reminded that Christmas is truly about captives being set free, people finding hope and joy in you. And I pray that as we worship you now, Lord, that that the freedom that we get to experience because of who you are and because of what Jesus has done would just ring through our hearts and minds as we worship. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at vintagechurch.net.